0: Thank you for tuning in to the Okinawa Karate Podcast. I am Josh Simmers, coming to you from the birthplace of karate, Okinawa, Japan. This is part four of my interview series with Sensei Pat McGale. This will be the final episode in this interview series, but I would like to take the time to dedicate all four parts to the memory of Sensei Susan Budge, Seventh Don and Matsubayashi Ryu, and Kishaba Juku. Throughout the interview series, we've heard Sensei Pat McGill describe several times his relationship with Sensei Susan, but I just want to take a moment to explain that while I never had the opportunity to meet her personally, I've had the opportunity to meet several students from the Omine Karate Dojo, and the, the words that they use to describe Sensei Susan and the passion that the user describe her and the way that they explain how she affected their life is truly special. It truly is a sensei and student relationship in its finest form. They have nothing but the utmost of respect for her, and even though she was described as this petite, you know, little lady, she ran the dojo with an iron fist. She was a great karateka. She was a great person. She was a great martial artist. And I want to dedicate this to the memory of Sensei Susan, and uh, hopefully it makes her students proud, and hopefully you enjoy listening to the Okanakarati Podcast. Thank you very much. Here comes Part 4 with Sensei Pat McGale. So, starting from Moto sensei at the age of 5, all the way now to being with Shinzato-Sensei, who is 80 80. years old now? Yeah,
1: 80 years old.
0: Moves more like a 60-year-old probably, a very fit and active 60-year-old. Um,
1: yeah, still, he's, I would say, one of the fastest, you know, that I know
0: of. I want to talk about that, if we can, about the styling of Shinzato-sensei, your, your time with Odo-sensei, Shiroma sensei your time in Wushu, your time um, getting kicked out of at least one Taekwon. Do studio and then maybe Shotokan dojo and, and then meeting Sensei Susan and all the way up to Shinzato Sensei because I think he's, he's quite unique in what he's teaching or, or you know, how he goes about teaching body movement, body dynamics understanding um, the, the few times I've been there it's been quite challenging because it mm. goes a little bit against the norm, right, of what we're right, right, we're talking right. and how to use our body, but I'll let you describe it because you can do it a heck of a lot better than I can. I'd like to understand uh, the teachings of Shinzato Sensei and how, how you incorporate certain things from that and what you're doing at Omine Dojo there in San Bruno.
1: Uh, well, in regards to teaching, you know, the ways of Kishabajuku if you will, from Sensei Shinsato, um, I, you know, while if it's something that's going to conceptually improve and be adaptable by any level of student i would share it so you know i would share whatever is better to any student if it's understood Mm -hmm. and that's the catch here you know if it can be understood right Mm -hmm. um so to find uh, a sense of power or strength by relaxing is just not, not a, a concept that anybody's used to. Uh, and, and in the way that it's described more directly, um, you know, it might make a little more sense in Japanese, but it's to try and make way with uh, having more uh, focus by way of having your body relaxed. Okay, So there's a lot that has to do with your uh, body position, and the state that you are moving. So it's the alignment of your skeletal structure and using that as support while your movements are more in line directly from an anatomically natural or correct position. So there are different movements in various martial arts, uh, you know, that may be more like a hook, for example, you know, like a haymaker. Uh, type of thing where you isolate the shoulder more, but it's more about the whipping action or this this rotational weight that is a hopeful impact. Hopeful impact if you make contact, right? And so there are things like that. Whereas the study of we within Shabajuku is more about always trying to stay in the relaxed state. Because muscles only contract. But in order to move, you have to relax before you move right Mm -hmm. so unless the muscle is engaged toward that movement you can't change direction without changing the group of muscles that you use and relax some set of muscles as going through the trajectory in one direction and you shift directions to another direction Uh, so it's it's to try to understand how the body works but it's to try and make it the most efficient as possible because if you're tight and tense, so it, sensations not to would almost be against teaching, it, it'd, be, it'd be the opposite of teaching San Chin, for example. Mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm. Uh, and the way I describe it to my students is, if you're doing San Chin or something like that, and you, you're exhaling, and the, and the breathing part is great to actually try to exercise or to understand, but if your body is tight and stiff, just to take one impact at a time, okay that's fine, but you don't have anything that's trying to impact you to try and offset your stance usually the impact is on the surface, so on the arm all right like breaking breaking a two by four across the arm and and so forth that's impressive yes it's impressive but The strikes from another individual to the one receiving the contacts to the body are never really about punching through the body. It's by hitting the surface and hitting the surface hard. So the individual that's receiving the punch or impact doesn't get moved too far. If they weren't in control of their body and receiving, this is the true essence or sense of the word uke in Japanese, if they're receiving and they're receiving the strike if they're not conditioned to do so then they could get hurt really hurt Mm -hmm. right but imagine this person is tight and is tense from head to toe you can just push them over because they're like a statue Mm -hmm. right now you take the same body and you relax it and you push the person they're going to give and sway with whatever you know uh is impacting them, right? But it's if they were to receive a punch to the stomach. Of course, you have to tighten that region of the body to receive the punch. But this is yet now the uh, regional portion of your body that you should be able to control. Understanding how uh, Sanqin and you know the method of tightening your body, but it's not. It's done. Independently, as opposed to the whole, right? And your muscles don't work as a whole at all. Your mind controls that. But it's about being able to control different parts of your body and try to relax as much as you can. That's a key difference Mm -hmm. uh, in Sensei Shinzato's method of study.
0: And I think it's very difficult to understand. It is. It is. Difficult to to apply. Difficult to understand. Yeah. (laughs) You know, uh,
1: because you would listen to it and you say, okay, and you try it and then, you know, he'll say, no, you're not relaxing, but you think you are, right? So we, and um, with those of us that, you know, have been training karate even for a long time, you don't know what you're doing automatically. And I'm not even talking about autonomic functions. Like you can't just, you know, stop your heart. Okay. Right? You can slow it down, but you mm-hmm. can't stop it. So um yeah, there there are certain things that you do automatically without thinking, like breathing, swallowing, coughing, sneezing, you know, things like that. It's just like a trigger, right? Something creates that trigger and it happens. Right. Mm-hmm. Um so it's it's to understand how your muscles only contract. Um and you have muscles that are working in opposing direction across one joint. So one muscle relaxes or, or releases as the other one tightens. And that what, that's what makes your limbs move. But this is how a muscle basically works throughout your whole body because muscles only contract. So there's always two sets of muscles, uh, a minimum of two sets of muscles, um, that work across the joint. You know, like, how do we even stand upright? We use a lot of muscles to keep Mm -hmm. us standing upright. There's a a general structure within our body, and that's our skeleton, that will, you know, allow us to stand at the right angle with the least amount of effort, but also maintain a certain balance, right, and uh, maintain a certain weight distribution. Uh, These are all common things that are part of the basic training and understanding and just repeated attempts and repeated mm-hmm. uh, uh, practice of certain things that you would do to better understand this method of study.
0: How, how many years ago did you meet Shinzato-sensei? Um, five, about so five, five years, years ago. So about oh, so the time that I moved back here. Yes. Um, yes. Is when you, you that met. year
1: is when I first first met Sensations author. Okay.
0: And you've been back every year since, and <laughs> training with him. And I know when you come over here, you're usually there for hours on end. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Has it been difficult for you? Has there been much of a transition for you personally, and then for your students?
1: It hasn't. Uh, um, has it been difficult? Yes. As far as transition wise. No, because fortunately, a lot of our concepts are similar. So there are a lot of things that uh, that are reflective in the way that I teach, as a result of having some experience, learning from Sensei Odo, learning from my father, uh, you know, learning, you know, just in general with that mindset or understanding with those two experiences. Um, So. Let's say, well, in in judo they have what's called randori, right? It's almost like you're facing your opponent and you're sort of uh, moving and responding to your opponent. You're trying to get into a uh, a better position, right? Of uh, of taking a person down or throwing them, yep. right? That's randori. Right? Um, speaking of which, I, from ages four to seven, I was in judo. <laughs> as well
0: <laughs> you didn't tell me that before oh, actually i think you probably did <laughs> yeah,
1: i didn't tell you that <laughs> well not not during this call yeah but, uh, <laughs> right. so anyways there, there's a certain way to stand right and so what i pick up in a lot of uh what i see in a lot of karateka, and again it's just my opinion my view right? it's not that it's right or wrong it's just different um you know at least in okinawa Kenpo and never taught us to lift our feet up off the floor uh you know on regular steps forward uh or even in naihanchi we're not necessarily picking up our feet off the floor mm-hmm. um you know you stay in contact with the floor and you do the same thing in Kishabajuku. Mm-hmm. uh but a lot of people even in okinawa Kempo, i find that you know Saisan, pian, katas, and so forth, they're picking their feet up, like clearly off the floor, I mean, like a couple inches off the floor, mm-hmm. which is not, well, in, in the way that I was trained or, or taught, was not uh, beneficial to the person doing the kata, and that you should always stay engaged with the floor. Uh, this weight shift or tilt of the body shifting from left to right, and more so, the wider your stances, uh, if you take it outside of the shoulder with, you know, you, you get more of that rocking side to side. And, uh, you know, this is energy that could be spent otherwise uh, beneficial to the next technique, or at least get everything in your body moving toward the, the technique itself, as opposed to, you know, going side to side. But this is commonplace in uh, Shabajuku to understand that, really nail that down to have everything moving toward and moving for that technique. Now how it differs in all of the experiences that I had was that with uh, Jujitsu, traditional Jujitsu, my father's style of Jujitsu is uh, uh, Shobudo Bujitsu Jujitsu. That's the name of it. And the way that, that they move their feet and the way that they stay engaged to the floor is very similar to those of a judoka, and in particular, uh, those that are in kendo, or even in Okinawan dance. And it's called suriyashi. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Suriyashi, uh, you definitely stay engaged with the floor. You keep your feet on the floor. And whenever I saw my father with his Hakama on, and many of his senior students, the same thing. When their Hakama is done, they look like they're floating across the floor because you don't see their feet. Yeah. Right. How are they doing this? You know, but that's how they look. Uh, you know, even rotation and turning and so forth, it's, it's just very graceful, right? Um, but they never pick their feet up off the floor. So these are just some of the things you know, you're, you're asking, well, how did it differ going across these, all these different experiences of martial arts or martial arts styles? And what makes it harder or, you know, how did it complement what I already do? Um, and learning and training with my dad and having that way of moving, movement uh, was very comfortable to me since I probably was taught early on. How to move and stand like that, uh, so I've always been doing it, and that's common in Shabujuku. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I always moved when I'm doing makata in Odo Sensei's style. Okay. Um, so you know there are a lot of things that are very similar, and when I did Wushu, just the techniques themselves are very flowing, very circular, much as they are in traditional jujitsu as well. Yep. And Sensei Shinzato is all about flowing you know circular movements so that's why i find it comforting uh to continue training in that and uh i have it always takes me back you know and it makes me at least feel more comfortable and more uh of a sense of um accomplishment to have done or have you know been through what I've been through, mm-hmm. um, because I see that you know the older I get, it's going to be harder to learn new things. Uh, but at the same time, that's why I feel as though you know I don't have to say, oh, you're going to just learn this, and these guys are just going to learn this, or I have to choose uh, one or the other. I, I, I'm at the point where if a student is able to understand or receive this information and actually apply it. I'll teach them. And generally, those students are in my advanced class. Mm -hmm. I don't choose the advanced class just for black belts. I originally did because I didn't know back then. But I chose who was able to learn and understand and that were disciplined enough to receive the information and give it a good try. Mm -hmm. Uh, So those students, I find in the category of an advanced study, an advanced Mm -hmm. class. Mm -hmm. Whereas others, We just, you know, do the basic katas. And these advanced students are also in those classes, too. Um, And, uh, you know, with the Matsubayashi katas and so forth. Mm -hmm. But even how Sensei Shinzato does the katas are also different with this, you know, understanding being relaxed.
0: Yeah. So let's wrap this up, if you don't mind, Sensei, with your (laughs) specific dojo in San Bruno. Where, where can we find information about you online? Um, I assume Facebook, right, is the best way. All
1: right, Facebook is probably the, the best way. Uh, you can find us also at ominekarate.com. Uh, on Facebook, you can look us up at uh, omine Okinawa Karate Kobudo Dojo and you'll find us uh, there. You can find, uh, you know, anything, especially with the current state of, you know, the pandemic we're in, uh, you know, I've been trying to post videos on conditioning, stretching, kata's, and uh, so forth, to try and keep my students engaged uh, with their time.
0: So you're closed at this particular time because you have to be, right? Right, In, yes. in the state yes. of California and then in, in out the San Francisco area, yep. but, uh, hopefully that'll end sooner rather than later <laughs> yes, um, I hope so. <laughs> when it does end. Cause it will one day. Right. Uh, and students want to find you pr- prospective new students. Um, what age groups are you, what's the youngest student that you, the
1: youngest, um, uh, the youngest I will teach is four years old. Four years year old. old. Yes. Between the ages of four and six, it can be, you know, a hit and miss. It really depends on the child, mm-hmm. their upbringing, uh, how focused they are. But, mm-hmm. you know, I'll be really upfront with the parent. You know, if uh, uh, unfortunately, boys are harder <laughs> to teach at that age than girls. Uh, so those of you that have girls, uh, you have been blessed. <laughs> <laughs> Not that boys are bad, but uh, even my own son, I started him at four. It, it was a real struggle. It's it's hard uh, to keep him focused. But what I did was, you know, I took a one-hour class and just made it for a half hour for him. And, you know, what he couldn't do, he couldn't do. So I just let him, you know, stop. And now he's in the full class. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, with a child, every child is different. So I would have them – I'm very, very – uh, lenient about having the children attend two or three classes and just see how they feel, you know, yeah. because it's just as important for me, uh, for the student to enjoy what they're doing as much as the parent is trying to yeah. push them, you know, because I know that part too. I was one. Yeah. <laughs> I was a child that child before. Uh, but, uh, you know, there are some children that just you know, are not interested or won't adapt.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and, you know, that's okay, too. There's there's tons of time. Yeah, so four is the uh, youngest group age. And then that, will, that same class might have up to 10-year-olds. Depending on their maturity, uh, between 8 to 12, I'll make a judgment on whether they should be in the adult class or not. Okay. And then they'll be in the adult class. Um, and I don't have... Any uh, separation of ranks or anything like that. Uh, every class has a set, you know, routine of stretching, warm ups, kihon, you know, katas, and and everything. So, you know, everybody gets their their time on the floor and in instruction with details for their specific yeah. levels. Yeah.
0: Well. <laughs> Speaking of which I can hear I can hear uh your your son saying now, Dad, you've been talking you've been talking long enough. So <clears throat> bring us back here to the side view for the last shot. But uh sensei, I want to thank you so much. We've been going at this for three over ou- oh, just over three hours, I think. Uh- so I'll, segment, <laughs> I'll chop this up into different segments and uh but for someone that has five decades of training in the martial arts we could make it even more segments and perhaps we will in the future or maybe next time you're back here in Okinawa, we'll do something together because typically that's how I like to do the interviews, but thank you very much for taking the time and explaining to us your background, your history um, with Odo-sensei starting from a very young age on up to now. So if anybody's looking for some very in-depth martial arts training, uh, with a, what, what I will say, um, these my own words, a very strong emphasis on um general body movement, I guess I'll say. Um uh, using the body the way it's designed to be used. Go go find Passensei there in San Bruno and the folks at the Omine Karate Dojo, some really great people. Um and one of these days I'm gonna get out there and train with you.
1: I hope so. You gotta get out here. You gotta definitely get out will,
0: here. Sometime. Definitely will, but Sensei, thank you so much. Take care of your family. Take care of your students. Please keep posting videos online.
1: Thank you, Josh.
0: (laughs) Thank you, guys. As always, thank you very much for tuning in to the Okinawa Karate Podcast. I am Josh Simmers coming to you from the birthplace of karate, Okinawa, Japan.